You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. In today's episode, Dr. Lori Esposito-Murray sits down with Tashanda Brown-Duckett, the President and CEO of TIAA. Lori, over to you. I am Lori Esposito-Murray, President of the Committee for Economic Development, the Public Policy Center of the Conference Board. In today's conversation, we will discuss leadership in challenging times, where we feature the outstanding business leaders who are the recipients of CED's Distinguished Leadership Awards, Corporate Citizenship and Business Stewardship. This year, we are paying special tribute to business leaders and their company teams who have helped our nation navigate the many challenges before us, including the pandemic, an economic recovery that provides equal opportunity for all Americans, building a more civil and just society, and upholding a rules-based international order. These are all key values underpinning CED's mission. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with our 2023 honoree, Tashonda Brown-Duckett, who is President and CEO of TIAA, a leading provider of secure retirements and investment solutions for millions of people and thousands of institutions. She leads a company whose mission is defined by financial inclusion and opportunities, goals and values she has upheld throughout her career. Under her leadership, TIAA is expanding its mission beyond higher education to all Americans saving for retirement. When Tashanda was named CEO in May of 2021, she became the third black female CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And she is also the first female CEO of TIAA. A lot of history in the making. So welcome to Shonda. Congratulations and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Lori. It's such a pleasure to be here. So let's start by your telling us about TIAA, its legacy history, its legacy founder, and its mission today. Well, it's such a rich history, as you said in the opening remarks, but uh, TIAA is a Fortune 100 company. We have $1.2 trillion in assets under management. And our real core focus, our mission, is to ensure that millions of Americans can have a secure retirement. When you think about our history, over 100 years ago, we were founded by Andrew Carnegie. And he saw a professor uh, not retire with dignity, but in poverty. And so he said, for educators who are educating some of the most brilliant minds in our country, they should retire with dignity. And so with that, TIA was born. And so we are focused on ensuring that millions of Americans have access to guaranteed income, money that they cannot run out of. And as you said, Lori, we've expanded that mission over the decades from not just those who are educators in higher ed, but for both faculty and staff. We've expanded into healthcare and other not-for-profits. And most recently, we've expanded Lifetime Income Solutions products to the 401k market, which we're very excited about. And like I said, at the heart of what we do is to ensure that people have access to a secure retirement. And we believe that every American should have that secure retirement, have money that they can never run out of to complement and supplement their defined benefit as well as Social Security. Uh, Tashandi, that is a tremendous amount of expansion from a really, really profound original base. And congratulations on everything you're doing. 
Uh, you became CEO of TIA in May of 2021, which was a little over a year into the pandemic. A really <laughs> challenging time to become CEO. Uh, the social justice movement had erupted after the killing of George Floyd. And then we had the war in Ukraine, sending shock waves of global disruption. And now we have the banking crisis. <laughs> so can you share your leadership philosophy? How do you lead to disruption? And most importantly, how do you plan for the unpredictable? Wow, Lori. <laughs> well, when I first think about my leadership philosophy, I, I would start by saying I believe my purpose is to inspire and make impact. And when I think about what that means, it starts with having a bold vision, a vision that every employee from those furthest removed from the CEO can rally around and see themselves in that vision. I also think it's important to surround myself with great people. I call it majors and minors. I want to Surround, surround myself with people that really can help me with my minor to make sure that they're complementing my blind spots and making sure that as I make decisions, I've had the benefit of operating with as much information as possible from many perspectives. Um, I also am grounded on intellectual curiosity. I'm a lifelong learner. And I think that's so important when you're navigating so many different issues that you can be facing at any point in time um, leading a company that intellectual curiosity, that real mindset of always challenging your process, is it still relevant? Having that agility, I think is so important. Um, and then flawless execution. But with flawless execution, which is paying attention to the details, you have to have grace. You know, I like to call it those one door, two door decisions. You wanna make sure that your team feels empowered. You wanna make sure that they're not afraid to make decisions and understanding that with that flawless execution, we will make mistakes, but hopefully those mistakes are not one door, they're two door, which means we can always pivot and always evolve. I think that's so important in the frame of your question, geopolitical, social unrest, the national pandemic, there will always be issues that every CEO confronts at any point in time. But I think what's important for, for us and for me is to make sure that I focus on what I can control. You know, when I look at what's going on in the marketplace, I ask myself, what are the implications? And so when you think about social unrest, you think about what are the implications to our employees? How are they processing a pandemic? How are they processing social unrest? What's getting in the way of them being able to be fully charged and being able to really lean in into the work that's in front of them as you think about our mission? When I think about the geopolitical unrest or what's going on in the banking environment, I think about what does that mean to TIAA? Are there any implications to our strategy any additional exposure or different decisions that we need to make. So you always wanna make sure you're taking what's going on in the macro environment and you're applying that to any potential impacting your business end to end. And if you need to make adjustments, you do. But then lastly, it's important to apply what's going on in the market to what implications does that have, does that have on the people that we serve? And so when I think about our plan sponsors or as importantly, our participants, what is happening with inflation? What's happening in the environment? that may cause our participants to have a different behavior or a different level of investing for their retirement. And once you understand that, then we adjust. Whether that means making sure that we're reaching out to our participants, ensuring that they stay invested, making sure they understand the product solutions that they have, if they need to reevaluate their balance sheet because the cost of goods are going up, how do we make sure that they know that they're entitled to speak to an advisor? So the point is, I cannot control the macro environment but what I can control is understanding what are those implications and what are the set of questions that we need to ask ourselves and when needed, what, how do we pivot and how do we make sure that we have agility 
when we're navigating through a crisis or any other scenario that we can be confronted with? Well, your mission, your mission of uh, ensuring that Americans retire with dignity comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility. And, and uh, it really is a privilege to be talking to you as a leader who has taken on that responsibility and, and uh, really recognizes the extent and depth of it. So when you're looking at these major challenges that you're confronting, uh, what are you most worried about? But I also want to ask you, looking to the future, what are you most optimistic about? Well, the good news is we've seen lots of cycles over time. You know, the the macro environment has a habit of repeating itself if you look at it, you know, through different periods of, 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 of our time. And so when I think about what I'm wor- most worried about, it goes back to our participants. Forty percent of all Americans run the risk of running out of money. And so I'm worried about our ability not just TIAA, but policy, other companies, how are we all coming together to really address this crisis? And so for us, I think we have to always make sure that money is emotional. We're talking about individuals, people like my mom and dad, that they're looking at trying to make sure that they're doing everything for today, tomorrow, in the transfer of wealth. And so that is something that is top of mind. That is our North Star, wanting to make sure that everyone can have a secure retirement. And how do we understand that in any economic environment, which is why we're so passionate about lifetime income solutions. When you ask me, what am I excited about? Or what am I proud of? I'm proud of the opportunity to go take this issue head on. I'm proud of the fact that this is something that we are talking a lot more about. You know, I think about the passage of the Secure Act 2.0, which was nonpartisan. It was bipartisan. And where we had both Republicans uh, Democrats and independents understanding that there's more that we can do to have good policy that can help people have a more secure retirement, whether that's auto enrollment or auto escalation, whether that's making sure that people have access to guaranteed income embedded in their workplace plan. These are the kinds of optimism that I get excited about because I understand that it takes a village. It's going to take all of us. And so the problem that keeps me up at night is also the fire in the belly and the optimism that I have when I see good policy taking effect, when I see the work of what my colleagues are doing every single day, and when I get to meet with plan sponsors, universities, hospitals, and individuals and understanding what our legacy has meant to the people that we serve, as well as what it can continue to mean to the young people that's on college campuses and what it can mean to both faculty and staff as they are working very hard to have a more secure retirement. So it's all about retiring, you know, re- re- retiring this, uh, this retirement gap that we have and making sure that we're doing everything we can so that people can retire with dignity. Well, and your commitment to uh, working out good bipartisan policy goes right to the heart of what CED and the CED trustees mission is all about. And again, it's, it's our privilege to be recognizing you and your team this year. I want to go back to your strong commitment to change and impact. So how are you using your CEO position as a platform for change? Yeah, I mean, when you think about the history of TIAA, um, it's been, it started with change. It started with seeing something that was not just and making a difference. And so when I think about the platform that I have as a CEO at TIAA, I think about the platform of retirement. I think about you know, I get to engage with organizations like yourself and policymakers and other business leaders to really tackle 
what is a true American issue. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's not what you make. It's what you keep. Um, it doesn't matter what part of the country. It's just such an important issue. And so how do I use my platform to be able that I can put a spotlight on 40% of all Americans? How I can make sure that we all understand that in the late 1970s, when inflation was at 20%, 67% or two-thirds of all Americans had access to a defined benefit plan. And so they didn't have to worry about the cost of eggs and what that would mean in terms of contributing to their retirement plan. Now that number is only 23%. And so when I think about this 40% and I think about when we're dealing with the high inflation, I think about how can I be a change and how can I be a voice to make sure I can spotlight what's happening in our country, what has changed from the last time we had such high inflation and what we can do at TIA to help be a part of that change and ensuring that you know more Americans have access to lifetime income. But I would also say, Lori, and you mentioned this in the bio, that it doesn't escape me that I'm the first female CEO of TIAA. It doesn't escape me that I'm the third ever you know, African-American woman to run a Fortune 500 company. And so, you know, as my parents would say, too much is given, much is required. And so that platform that I have as a CEO, what I'm hoping for is that, you know, we don't keep making history, that it's just what is, that there's not, you know, just one, there's two, three, there's hundreds, so that young people can look at any job that they aspire, any job, no matter who you are, and don't feel that they have to do some additional mental gymnastics to say, can I do this job? Do I belong? Because I haven't seen anyone like me or anyone lead in the way that aligns with my values. So I'm hoping to stay in good trouble and to continue to be the change for good um, anchored in the retirement crisis, but also recognizing what it means to be me and the positive impact that hopefully I can um, bring to to young people and the future leaders of our country. That's really powerful, Tashanda. And, and I, I do want to just uh, interject that I was at the um, uh, Fortune Most Powerful Women con uh, uh, conference, and I was on a table with a number of young leaders, women leaders, and they were sharing with me that at that conference, you had actually spent time to meet with the next generation of leaders one by one. And they were yeah. so uh, in awe of your generosity yeah. and leadership. Well, it's so important. I mean, when you think about just being the change, as we like to say at TIA, you have to get proximate. You can't just be on the panel or be on the stage. If you have an opportunity to engage and be able to see people, I see you, it really can make a difference. And I think it can really hopefully inspire, you know, the young people to dream big and, and be bold about their their aspirations. The one thing that I would add, and when you mentioned attending the, for, you know, the, you know, uh, Fortune, it's not just important, I think, for the young people. I think it's also just as important for the decision makers to see them. It's important for decision makers to see that, yes, you can have a woman, um, if we want to achieve real meritocracy, you have to scratch your head and see, well, where are we in having more women running companies or having more women um, in the C-suite? Clearly, talent is created equally. Opportunity is not. And so it's not just enough for the young people to see me. I'm hoping that decision makers, people on boards can really continue to say, what do we have to do to make sure that we're widening the aperture of talent and that the way in which we see talent that we're opening up our mindsets, we're looking at their skills, we're looking at their abilities, because clearly as we do more of that, 
you will see more women, you will see more people of color, you'll just see difference. That will not be history making, it will just be what we need to continue to move companies and business forward. Yeah, and then how do you take these values, the inclusion, diversity, and equity values, and, and make them living values within TIAA? Well, the good news is um, I didn't have to come in and, and do that. Clearly, my predecessor, Roger Ferguson, is just such a leader in that space. But our history, I think TIAA, you know, we were the first company uh, to have a female board of directors. Uh, it's the first time in history that an African-American was preceded by an African-American. And so when I think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, I think it dates back to our roots of seeing who didn't have access and why not. And whether that was in retirement or whether that's in talent, it's truly who we are. Um, and when I think about the work for us to continue to do, not just at TIAA, but for all companies, I think about it in four ways, Lori, and I kind of mentioned this. First, it has to be a mindset, a mindset belief that talent is created equally, opportunity is not. You have to start there so that you'll ask the question, who's not in the room? Once you have that mindset at the very top, you have to disaggregate the data. It's not enough to say 50% of our employee workforce is women or X percent are, are people of color. Just aggregate the data and see, is it at all levels? Is it at the C-suite? Is it in that manager 10 frontline management? Is it in different areas of the business? Is it in technology? Asking those questions through disaggregating the data will help companies like ourselves always find that opportunity to do better. The third thing I say, it's about policies and procedures and practices. It's not enough for just one CEO or one leader to be focused and, and passionate about it. What happens when that person leaves? What continues? That's what makes companies last for a very long time. So it's important to understand what are the policies, practices, procedures that we have to always look at because we want to have a wide aperture of opportunity to bring in the very best talent for our company. And then lastly, you have to measure the outcomes. What gets measured gets done. It's not enough about um, effort. I don't know any leader, Lori, that will say, you know, we really tried to delight the client, but it just didn't work. All shucks. You know, you would say, you know, what's happening? Why do we have this complaint? What can we do better? What do we have to change in our policies and practices to make sure that we're continuing to delight, you know, the people that we serve? And I think when you think about human capital, we have to look at it in that same way. The job is never done. How do we make sure we have the mindset throughout the organization? How do we disaggregate the data to understand opportunities of um, progress? How do we make sure that we're changing our policies and practices? And how do we make sure that we're measuring our outcome? And the goal is our most precious asset, which is people. And so if we wanna to continue to be relevant, if we wanna to continue to innovate, if we wanna to continue to have growth, we have to always hone that muscle to say who's not at the table and why not? Is there any reason why we don't have a swath of people applying for certain roles at the same pace of others? And if not, what can we do? It's about human capital, and it's about making sure that we're always opening the aperture in a forward-leaning way of identifying and retaining that talent within our organization. Many people will say, well, if you do that, Tashande, is it a zero-sum game? You know, does someone have to lose for someone to win? And I would say absolutely not. I think by widening the aperture for us at TIA and for every company, that's where you unlock innovation. That's where you unlock growth. And when you unlock innovation, you unlock growth, you expand those opportunities for talent. And so I do not think that, you know, one has to win in order for one to lose. I think if you want to have a company that can withstand the test of time, 
You have to look at diversity, equity, and inclusion. You have to look at it through the, the, the lens of talent. And you have to look at it through the lens of the job is never done. It's human capital. And these are such challenging times that all of the innovation that's possible in a company is absolutely needed. And, and your, your leadership uh, values and models is so important, which then leads me. So where, who have been the biggest influences in your life in terms of leadership values? Uh, yeah. What inspired and motivated you? Wow. You know, when I think about who has impacted my life, um, I mean, first, and I say this publicly all the time, you know, I'm on the shoulders of giants. Uh, you know, I like to say it was the cooks, the janitors, and the secretaries that introduced my gender and my melanin to corporate America. Those were the first people that leaders saw inside the four walls. Um, my inspiration comes from understanding that it was a fight. It wasn't a given no matter how much energy I have or passion or intellect, people had to fight for someone like me to even have a shot. And this fight wasn't that long ago. And so to me, all of the village, all the people who understood that we needed to really break through the injustices for women and people of color, I stand on their shoulders and their story and their fight for something that they may not even be alive to, to take advantage of, they fought anyway. I think about my parents, clearly Otis and Rosie Brown. My mother is a retired educator. My dad it worked in a warehouse his, his whole career. You know, I am first generation full integration. And so I think about their stories and I think about, you know, all of the things that they taught me. You know, they taught me that, you know, my, my, my self-worth is not defined by our net worth. And clearly growing up, you know, we were very short on, on the money part. Uh, my dad taught me to reach for the moon because even if I missed, I would be among the stars. My mother taught me, you know, to make sure that I have empathy. If you see someone who doesn't have something, you give them your last because you will have an opportunity to to have that back. Um, and I think about, you know, my, my superheroes are the people that I get to surround myself with every day. Titles are rented. So it's not just other CEOs clearly having the opportunity to work for someone like Jamie Dimon and Gordon Smith. I get great inspiration from, but I also get inspiration from the people who, like my my secretary, Kelly, I get inspiration from my frontline people that are on the phones providing advice for participants. Basically, I believe that inspiration is all around us. You just have to open up your mind to see it. Um, and I do think we have to acknowledge the history, especially for me as a black woman. Um, I have to take those giants you know, with me as I think about the work that still needs to be done but I think about the sacrifice that has truly inspired me to be where I am today. So a lot of heroes, I guess, Lori, you know, to answer your question, a lot of superheroes. Well, all incredibly inspiring. Uh, Tashanda, it is truly our privilege to be honoring you and the TIAA team. Uh, you're an incredible CEO with an incredible team. And, and it's clear by hearing the values that you live and breathe uh, that you're going to bring out the best in that team. And, and the nation is really fortunate uh, to have you as uh, in its business leadership. So thank you so much for this conversation. And we're looking forward to honoring you and the team in October. Thank you, Lori. And thank you for the work that you and your team continues to do. Um, it's so important and it's so necessary. It's a privilege to have this relationship with you all. I'll see you soon. Thank you. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.